Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. ...to receive what you have for us on tonight. So as I open my mouth, God, I thank you that you have already filled it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue the teaching dealing with prayer. And so far we have learned that we know that prayer is communing with God, is communication with God, and we need to um, have the same spirit that comes from God in order to communicate with God. So tonight I'm going to still go over some blockers that's um, stopping us from going to God in prayer the way we need to go to God in prayer. We talked about last week dealing with emotions. Our emotions will stop us from hearing God. It'll stop us from receiving what God has for for us. Emotions can be blockers. Now, we talked about unforgiveness. That was one blocker, dealing with when we're not forgiving each other. That blocks us um, from hearing from God, from communicating with God. So we talked about how we get rid of um, unforgiveness is, you know, we get rid of it (laughs) through the word of God. It's just that easy if we want to get rid of it, right? But let's talk about these emotions. Emotions is a conscious mental reaction such as anger or fear subjectively experienced as a strong feeling usually directed towards a specific object and typically accompanied by a behavior change in the body. So we know our emotions will um, have our body going off all kind of ways, right? And it comes through fear, it comes through anger, it can come through offense, it can come through hurt. Our emotions begin to act up through many things. So I'm going, I'm going to go back over um, 1 Kings um, 19 where we were before. But um, I want us to really look at what was going on with Elijah. We see who Elijah was. We know he was a prophet that was sent from God. We know that Elijah had a prayer life because in order for him, for him to give to the people, he had to hear from God in order to give the word of God to the people. We know in 1 Kings uh, 17, this is when Elijah was talking about um, there was not going to be any rain according to his word. And we know the word that Elijah was bringing was from God. So we know he had communication with God. So when he spoke that word, there was going to be no rain. There was no rain. He even said how long um, that ring was not going to be. We know it was like three years, three and a half years. After Elijah spoke that, 
God spoke to Elijah and he told Elijah where to go and the raven would feed him there. That's prayer. That's communication. When God spoke, Elijah heard and Elijah was obedient. That's prayer. When we go into prayer with God and we're talking to God, we need to wait to hear what God has to say. And then we need to be obedient to what he's saying. And that's how we get our manifestation. We see that Elijah heard God. God told him what to do. Elijah followed um, what God told him to do. And he was spared during that famine. When the brook dried up, Elijah went to the next place that God told him to go. So he was still hearing God. He had an open connection with God. When he went to the widow woman, you know what happened. God let him know that she was going to sustain him there. The widow woman just said, I'm going to eat, you know, what I cook, and me and my son just going to die. I'm going to eat the little cake of bread, me and my son's gonna, going to die. But y'all know what Elijah told her. Do what you said, but bring me a cake first. Then, you know, you and your son can eat. Well, I'm paraphrasing it. So we know what happened. They had enough. It was left over. So Elijah did that in chapter 17. When we get to 18, Elijah had a um, thing with the uh, Baal, the prophets of Baal. So he was telling them, okay, let's see who, who God is uh, the bigger God, my God or your God, who is the real God, the God that's above all gods. So we know what he told them to do. They did all this, and we see that Baal, he was, he was just an idol. He couldn't talk. He couldn't do nothing. So we know what Elijah did. He began to talk to God. That's prayer. He was talking to God in 1 Kings 18, and God proved himself as being the one and true and living God. But in 18, God showed me something that Elijah had said. Look at 1 Kings, again, chapter 18. And this is what Elijah said and in verse 22. He said, Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. I want you to keep that before you. Elijah said, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So he said all of this um, to them, but then God proved himself. But I want you to remember what Elijah said here because you're going to see it again. So when we go to 19, we know that he killed those prophets. And then when you go to 19, it says in verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. So Elijah did everything God told him to do. But all of a sudden, when Jezebel sent him a word through Ahab, and the word that he, she sent was death. So when he saw what she had said, he ran for his life. Now, when we look at this, this does not look like the same Elijah 
that just got through killing the prophets of Baal. He did not do this with his own might. God had to help him do what he done. He was the one that told God to show them that he was really sent by God. He wanted God to, you know, to release his power so they would know that God was the only true and living God. You know, he was above every other God, which God done all this. But when we get over here with him hearing what Jezebel had said, his emotions were stirred up. Why was his emotions so stirred up that he ran for his life? Let me show you what God was showing me because I said, God, is more to this than just reading into this and, and coming to our own opinions or conclusions. When we, when our emotions get stirred up to a point where we're running for our lives, there's something there that um, the enemy has triggered that was already there to bring us into a fear that makes us run for our lives. Sometimes we can be going about our business and we're, you know, everything is okay. But when tragedy or something happened or we get a a bad report, all of a sudden we're in a panic. We're running for our lives. We feel like we don't know what to do, how to do. We can't sit down. We can't rest. That's not normal. Fear, God did create us to fear things so we'll have warning signals. But the Bible said he did not give us. The spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. So what fear does, it comes to paralyze you. It comes to attack you to the point that you're paralyzed. You begin to panic. You begin to have anxiety and all of these things. You can't sit down. You can't rest. So this is what happened to Elijah. How did Elijah get to this point? Now God showed me again with Elijah. Remember when Elijah, he ran for his life. Then it says he went a day journey in the wilderness and came and sat down on a a juniper tree. So he was weary, he was depressed, and he was given up. How could a man of God that just killed the prophets of Baal, that was speaking a word of God to the people, just give up that quick? That just seems like something's not right here. He's given up too easy. So then when you get on into it, this is what he said when he sat up under that tree in verse 4. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life for I'm not better than my father's. So why was he saying it is enough? When you go through this chapter, you can look again in verse 10. He says the very same thing again. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He says this again in verse 14, the exact same thing. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This is a total of three times. First time he declared it was before he killed those prophets. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Elijah had this already in him 
that he was going to die. Because they were seeking his life to kill him. So in his mind was death. What brought this out? When Jezebel said, this is what brought out what was already there. When Jezebel said, if I don't do to you the same thing you've done to these prophets, guess what happened? The thing that he was thinking about the most began to become real. So it was already there in Elijah. It didn't just happen overnight. What am I saying? We just don't get um, in a panic. I mean, a, a, a real panic overnight. It's something that's there that's triggering the fear. It's something that's there that's triggering. Well, fear is the root. But worry, anxiety, panic is something that's triggering that. And it is fear. But where did this fear come from? It had to be something that the enemy was watching and using. And then he get us to say it all the time. So what is he doing? He's building a fortress. He's building things in our mind. So when it's time for him to use those things, he will begin to use those things. Who would have thought that Elijah, the one that was bringing the word of God, would have got in a panic like that and ran for his life? If God um, helped him escape all those prophets, 450 of them, what would make Elijah think he wouldn't help him get through this? He had built up something in his mind. So as soon as the words were spoken, whatever was lying there, it just showed up in front of him and it was death. That's why he said, enough, just let me die. This is where some of us are. We don't really know what's uh, under the surface or, or hiding until something really happens. When something really happens, that's when things begin to come up and we begin to get mental pictures of death instead of life. And that's what Elijah was doing. He was getting a mental picture of him dying. So he ran for his life. He went in the wilderness. He was in a depression. He was ready to give up. But how many know but God? Even when we get in our worst state, we can say, but God, because God always have a plan for us. So even in his worst state, God sent that angel to, to feed him because God had a plan. He had a purpose for Elijah. He wanted him to fulfill that plan and that purpose. So no matter how bad it get, when God already got your life planned out, nobody can take that life, not unless you give it to him. He had it planned out for Elijah already. But guess what? God had to continually speak to Elijah to get him to a place to fulfill what was already planned. So that's what God was doing. He sent the angel. He told him to eat because he needed to eat so he can build up his strength to do what God would have for him to do. So he did that. And he went to the Mount of God. After he ate, it was a specific place that God sent him to. When God sent him to that place, guess what? God began to talk to him again. And as God began to talk to Elijah, y'all know how he came. He came through the wind. He came through the fire. He came through the earthquake. You know, there was all of that. But he didn't hear God through that. It was a small, still voice. It was some quietness. He put his mantle over his head, and God began to talk to Elijah. And when God began to talk to Elijah, he said, why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah began to say the same thing, I, even I. 
See, Elijah was pouring out his heart to God. God already knew what was in Elijah's heart, but he began to pour out his heart to God and God began to tell Elijah, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go anoint. It was three people. These are the three people I want you to anoint. And when um, he told Elijah what he wanted him to do, we see again that Elijah came in here. Well, no, after God told him what to do, we're going to look back at, go with me, um, to, okay, 14. After he stood at the mountain, we'll make sure I ain't missing nothing. Then we go to 14. He began to speak the same thing. God told him to go to anoint these people, and he was obedient to God. So he was still doing what? Fulfilling his plan and purpose. Where am I going with this? Even at, at your worst times, in your worst days, God is still there. And if we will take the time to listen and hear what God says, we will be able to continue to do what God wants us to do without any remorse. Elijah still did what God had him to do. Did, was he down and out? Yes, he was down and out. But he did not allow what was said to hold him down. He moved forward on what God wanted him to move forward on. And I believe the majority of us in this room have had some things to knock us down. And we felt like we didn't want to get back up, but God sent people to you. He could have sent a message through the television to you that helped you rise back up. He could have sent a, a friend to you or someone that you work with to say something to you and they didn't even recognize what they were saying and it helped you to rise back up. God will commune with us. He will speak to us. And I, I said he speak to us through several ways. It can be through people. It can be through the television. Whatever way God need to speak to keep us where we need to be, God will do it. So I'm going to give you someone else who um, their emotions started out with them. We see Elijah. His emotions overtook him, but guess what? He didn't allow um, that to stop him from doing what God wanted him to do because God sent a word to him. He listened to the word, he obeyed the word, and he got through it. And after he finished, he was taken up into heaven. He was raptured up. Isn't that awesome? God had to get him to fulfill what he needed for him to fulfill. Then he took him up. So we have to understand the enemy want us to have a fear. Actually, this is a fear of death. Elijah was ready to give up and just die. You know, just, just let me die. I'm the only one here. So God had to even let him know, you're not the only prophet. God told him how many other prophets that he had. Look how God was encouraging him and speaking to him. You're not the only one left. How many of us, when we're down and out and God sent us a word, a merry heart is what? Good like a medicine. But what dries up the bones? It'll dry up your bones. Things that we allow to come at us and we don't use the word against, guess what? It's keeping us down. But Elijah heard God and he did what God told him to do. This spirit of death that comes is what holds us down that operates with fear. When fear comes, it brings death. Because fear want to kill you. In fear, there's heart attacks. In fear, there's panic attacks. How many when fear comes, your body gets so out of whack, seem like you're breathing but you ain't breathing. You're breathing so hard, feel like you're going to be out of breath. Or when fear come, it feel like uh, you feel lightheaded. You just feel like you're walking or weak. 
You feel like you're just weak. You can drop it any time. See, fear will bring on a lot of things to your body to weaken you, to paralyze you, to stop you from hearing God, from believing God. And even though somebody is speaking truth to you, you can be so out there with fear that it's not even moving you. And that's when the discerning of spirits come in and say, cast that foul spirit of uh, fear out. Because if you don't get that spirit of fear out, even though you're bringing what need to be brought, guess what? That fear is holding it. So you got to know what you're dealing with. And a person need to know what they're dealing with because when you don't know what you're dealing with, guess what? It's going to oppress you. It's going to depress you. It's going to weigh you down where you just give up and say, I don't want to do nothing else. What's the use? I'm going to die anyway. The enemy wants you to speak death instead of speaking life. We go back to another person, and y'all familiar with this person, in the Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Now, he dealt with his emotions. Remember when um, you get all emotionalized, it stops you from hearing God. It stops you from communing with God because you're hearing everything else outside of God. And that's not what God wants to happen. Second Chronicles 20, we're familiar with Jehoshaphat. God brought me right back to Jehoshaphat. And the reason why is because Jehoshaphat had three armies coming up against him. Can you imagine? You got three enemies, three armies coming up against you. They brought him word that the armies were coming. You know, we can rejoice over that. (laughs) They told him what was coming. It wasn't just going to sneak up on him. See, God always lets you know what's before you, right? So they told him what was coming, and I like what Jehoshaphat did. It said in verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. Was fear not there? Fear was there. But guess what he did with the fear? And set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Jehoshaphat, fear did come at him, but guess what he did? To calm it, he began to seek the Lord. And he began to fast. He began to tell the people to fast. When you are in so much fear, fast is going to help you come out of that fear. But it takes more than the fast. It takes the word of God. See, even though he went on a fast and told the people to go on a fast, guess what Jehoshaphat did? He began to speak um, about God, what God did. He began to speak about the battles that was won. He began to encourage himself based on what happened before he began to remind himself of what God did before and we know at the end of his prayer Jehoshaphat said it's nothing that we can do but our eyes are upon you this is what he's saying his eyes was upon God so what was the difference between Jehoshaphat and Elijah the fear that Elijah had he ran he was going to hide himself he was going to give up what did Jehoshaphat do with that fear He was rolling it over to the Lord. See, he was going to the Lord. He was seeking the Lord because he knew that the Lord would bring him out. So he began to remind the Lord of everything that they went through. And that helped him to get in a place to know he didn't have to stay where he was. That's what we have to do. But after he'd done all of this, and I love this, God sent him somebody. He sent a prophet right there amongst them to encourage them concerning the battle to encourage them to let them basically know the battle was already won 
But after he said this, Jehoshaphat, he began to talk to the people. Y'all know what he did. They began to sing. They began to praise God. And guess what? The enemy was defeated through their praise. So the difference was he didn't allow that fear to make him run. He took what came at him and he took it to God. And he got encouraged. He got a word from the Lord and the enemy turned on themselves. So this is why when we get so emotionalized, it is good to remind ourselves of what God already done and not to look at that situation more than we're looking at God. Because if you look at the situation of what was said, that's going to be before you, that's going to make you weak, that's going to paralyze you. But when you begin to say, God, I know that you're still God. You haven't left me. You never leave me, nor shall you forsake me. God, you are El El Yon. You're the most high God. When we begin to speak what the word is saying and we begin to rejoice, how many know that the peace comes in and it calms you? You begin, begin to be calm at that time. So we have to, before we go into prayer, we cannot go into prayer panicking. Because when we do that, mean we're not trusting God. We can't go into prayer just um, running off at the mouth, (laughs) trying to, um, how can I say, trying to work it out by talking it out. A person that gets so fearful or gets so anxious, they just keep on talking. They talk all over themselves. They don't want no silence because when they get silenced, they're hearing the enemy. So they just keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. And the more they talk, it's like they're forgetting about what's going on. But when they hang up that phone, It's like a rush coming in at them again. So they got to try to do something. They got to walk the floor. Have you ever been in a place in prayer that you felt like you can walk it out? Anybody? Nobody. I have. Sometimes everything just hits you all at one time. You're just walking it out. Just walking it out and talking it out. But sometimes God is saying, just be still. Because walking it out like that sometimes is, is showing your, your anxiety. It's showing how panicky you are. So you feel like if you just keep walking and talking, you'll calm down after a while. But sometimes he wants us just to be still. So our emotions can take us to a place where we cannot hear God. It will take us to a place that we'll try to do something that God did not tell us to do because we're feeling this right here would work. Like if we got a pile of bills and we're trying to figure out how to get these bills paid to have more money. So we sit down, we work out a plan, we say we'll take from here and we'll put it here. And all of a sudden we feel like we're feeling better because we took a little here and we got that worked out. But then we have so many bills it look like we can't work it out. And the only thing God wants us to do is be still, roll it over to me, I got you. But we can't hear that because we're looking at the pile of debt that we have. We're looking at how we're going to make it tomorrow when God said, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow take care of itself. It has enough troubles of its own. But we already in tomorrow because we're saying, I don't have enough for the day, so how am I going to have enough for tomorrow? We are in our emotions because we're trying to work it out. We're not trusting God. But when we go to God in prayer and we begin just to praise him and thank him, say, God, I thank you for what I have. God, the little that I have, it don't look like it's a lot, but I thank you that it's more than enough, God. I thank you that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I thank you that you have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. So, Lord, I give you glory that I have everything that I need. Your grace is sufficient for me. 
even in my weakness, right? So we have to begin to quote the word and not quote the word to make something happen, but we quote the word to know what's already happened. And we give God glory for what we do have. So your emotions will have you in a place where you can't hear God, where you can't hear him to do what he wants you to do in that place that you're in. And I believe all of us in here, including me, have been in a place where God, I need for you to say something. God, just say something. But it's times that God will just won't say anything. He'll just see if you're going to trust him. And sometimes it's nothing to be said because he already said everything he needs to say. So we need to trust him. So go back over Elijah and see that Elijah was a prophet of God. He was a mouthpiece for God. And when people saw Elijah coming, they knew, "Uh uh-oh, something's up. But look at what Elijah went through. So don't put yourself down when you're going through different difficult situations in your life. Just say, God, I know you got me. God, I can't do nothing without you. You're the vine. I'm the branch, God. Everything I need comes from you. I'm not going to detach myself from you. I'm going to depend on you. And, and at the end of all of this, we see that Elijah did depend on God. He did do what God told him to do, but he went through. So we all go through a little something, something, right? But in order to get through it, there's going to have to be a calmness. There's going to have to be a peace that only God can give us. We can't find peace through anything else except through him. So tonight, what I want to do, and I thank God for Manny from, for last time when we did this teaching dealing with Elijah and how he shared um, something with us, how somebody was coming at him and how that reaction had him. But how he, you know, went through all of this. He got through it, but he was seeing things that wasn't even true. And I believe some of us in here tonight have went through some things that the enemy was saying wasn't even true, but it put us in a panic. It had us with anxiety. I know when I was going through with depression and the enemy um, had me thinking that if you go in that restaurant, you know, you ain't going to make it. If you go in that restaurant, you're going to pass out. Just go through the drive through See, all those lies build up in my head. So it stopped me from doing things, even with my husband. The lies that build up in my head had me becoming a liar. Because what I would tell my husband was, when he wanted to go out to eat, no, let's just, let's just get it to go. Let's just go through the drive-thru. I would, I would create things that would make me feel good, but it wasn't helping me. So one day I had to deal with what was dealing with me. And I had to trust God to get me through it. But fear had me in a panic mode. It had me thinking I had to do certain things in order to get through the day, in order to make it. But when I began to trust God more than trusting my emotions, I got through it. I remember, and I only know if Jennifer remember this, at the hospital we had um, this thing where they were feeding us out back, Jennifer. And, it, and they was giving us different things, and I was on the switchboard. And I was having a panic attack. It was just like a, it was coming from fear. And I said, uh-oh, I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm, I'm not dealing with this today. I can't go out there in front of all those people. I mean, I was tore up, y'all. But I heard the spirit on the Lord's day. He said, you're not going nowhere. Be still. And I'm like, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. He said, be still. Trust me. You're going to get through it. 
And I did what he said, and I worked all day. Because I did what he said. The panic was there. The dread was there. All that was there. And when I saw my food, when I saw food, I felt like I could throw it up. That's just how that fear had me and that depression and that oppression had me. God had to talk to me for nearly 30 days. From the time I got out the bed to the time I went to sleep, God talked to me all day long for me to make it. It's no joke, y'all. When you are emotionalized, when fear is um, the root of it, you're going to have worry, you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have panic attacks, you're going to have all these things coming at you. If you don't get control of it, it will get control of you. And my husband knew at certain times I didn't want to go certain places. If he wanted to do this, no, we can't do that. This right here might happen. All I was talking was death. But God delivered me. So this is why we have to stay before him and hear what he has to say at all times and do what he's saying. If not, it puts us in a place of not doing. And God wants us to have an abundant life, y'all. So in order to connect with God in prayer, these blockers that are stopping us from connecting with him, we have to deal with them. We deal with them through the word of God. If you don't deal with them, they will deal with you. Stay from around negative people that's putting negative stuff before you. Stay from around people that tell you, if you do this, you're going to die. Or your mama had it, or your daddy had it, or your grandmama had it. So you're going to have it. And if all that stuff is in your head, guess what? Fear is going to come dealing with those things. And your body is going to react to those things. So we have to keep our mind renewed according to the word of God. And when we do, we will see that life that God has for us. So tonight, I'm going to open up again. Is there anybody that want to share? Concerning your emotions and how they have affected you physically. I remember years ago, I was at work and um, I was driving down the road and we got a call on the radio to go do this particular job. And all of a sudden... Fears came in. I mean, I didn't know it was fear at the time. I started feeling tired. My heart was palpitating. I started feeling weak and just like I just want to pass out. I said, what's going on? Man, I did this particular job meeting in town. Why is it attacking me like this? I mean, the dread just come in. And the next Bible study, she taught on about fear about dread and what it does to your body. And I said, that's what happened to me. Exactly what happened to me. That's when I recognized what was trying to take over me because I knew, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I just felt like limp. And I thank God for the teaching I got the next week to give me understand what was going on. And I remember another incident before then. We were standing in the other house, and I was in the living room one night by myself praying. And um, anxiety came over me, fear. My heart felt like it was going to jump out of my chest. And I just started walking the floor, walking the floor. I felt like I was going crazy. I mean, I kept walking the floor, walking the floor, walking the floor. Lord, you got to help me. I don't know what I'm going to do about losing my mind. And I had to get control, you know, of my mind through the word. And I just, you know, it's just something that you don't want to go through, you know. When you're going through things like that, the first thing that people say is, do you, is anybody in your family having heart problems? 
You better go check that out. You might fall out and die. I dealt with the person that went through these same things that they wouldn't come out of their house. In their home, it had to be dark. No light could come in their house at all. And when they introduced me to this person and they told me how this person was, and I began to talk to this person and I began to give them the word of God. And as I began to give them the word of God, gradually they started coming out. Gradually, they started doing things that they would not do before. So, long story short, this person was Harold Alton. Harold wouldn't drive. He said he couldn't sleep. He was going through terrible things. And it got so that Harold come out of that uh, situation. Me and my husband let him drive our car. What in the world were we thinking? (laughs) But we knew that God had delivered Harold. And Harold would share his testimony over and over again. It was one time we was going to um, Wilson, uh, to this service up there at Wilson. I believe it was Apostle Gail Spate. Tina let Harold drive. All the way up there, Tina had to read the Bible to Harold. Harold was holding the wheel. But he made it. He got through it. He didn't give up. Then it was another incident Harold began to have a panic attack. He said he started, I think he did pull into the fire department and got the water hose and put it on him. (laughs) This is no joke, y'all. This is why, like my husband said, he had to use the word of God to get through it. Now, what man tell you to get through it is they give you pills. And if that's what you have to have to get through it, okay, that's fine. But you're going to have to keep using the pills, but eventually your body get used to those pills and that don't work. So they got to up it. Then you're walking around like a zombie. I knew a person that was going through mentally. They had given them so much medication, they could barely move. They could barely walk. They say, I can't do this. I feel like I don't have a life no more. But they begin to dive into the word of God. And when they were in that word, it just seemed like they couldn't even talk. When they talked, their mouth was just just moving kind of slow. So what am I saying? Yes, you can take the medication to help you get through it. But you got to deal with what's causing you to do what you're doing. If you don't get to the root of it, it's going to still be there. Medication, what it do, it, what is it, cover up the symptoms? But you, if you never get to the root, you, got, you still got the same thing. Just like a person that's on uh, alcoholic. They're trying to figure out, why are you drinking so much alcohol? You can come to these classes, but if you don't get to the root of what's causing you to do it, you're still going to do what you do. Somebody can talk you through it, but you're going to go back to that same pattern. So it's time for us in the body of Christ to find out, why am I so angry? Why am I so fearful? Why do I get so offended? Why do I come off on people the way that I do? God will tell you why. He will let you know what's at the root of you doing what you're doing. And he will have you to deal with it through the word of God, which is life. But if you never spend time with God to know what's going on, then how are you going to know what's going on? Is there anyone else? Come on, Delicia. Um, well, uh, last year, around this time, I lost my mom, and um, <clears throat> whenever I got the call, you know, you know, you 
and your emotion, you feeling, you don't know what to feel, you're just all over the place. So when I got the call, um, I was ecstatic. I ran over there and um, got to her. But once I seen her, um, I was kind of, you know, just screaming and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, I know Pastor talked about the calmness uh, come over you, and that's how you know that, you know, the Lord is with you. So I experienced that that night. Um, but um, even from from then, um, even as I was planning her funeral and, you know, things, I know that God was there with me because I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, then I had, um, I think it, would, it came when the visitors came. It kind of stirred up some things. The enemy was there, um, and it had me um, in my emotions again. And um, after then came depression. Um, I wanted to be by myself because I knew that when they came, it kind of stirred up things with me. Um, so um, went into depression. I thought I needed medication. I did it. Um, had the medication, but it wasn't working. Um, I started, um, my kids went back to school, so uh, music uh, is how I got, you know, the Lord started ministering me through um, music um, on my way to uh, drop them off in the carpool line on the way back, you know, that's how he started speaking to me, and um, I got more into the Word, and that was the only thing that helped me Amen. overcome a lot of the um, fear and anxiety and things like that. Amen. It took the word. It, it always go back to the word. Anyone else that want to share? That could help someone? Okay. Nobody want to share anything. We'll just wait a few minutes. Is there anyone online that would like to share? You can come on up. Miss Lily of the Valley. Well, um, whenever I was depressed, it was a while back. My brother had passed in 2012, and just all of a sudden. And that was my oldest brother. And so we went to the house and everything, and he was there and I asked could I pray for him while they was working on him and the officer said I could and then I felt him and he was cold I got up and I said I didn't say anything I just thinking to myself that he's gone and so I just thanked the Lord and just you know we just left and um, I came home it was on a Saturday early that morning because Sunday's morning before day I always clean the house so I went and I started cleaning the house when I got home. And I got down in my back. I took my shower and I went to bed. I couldn't get up. And I, I could not move. I just cried and cried and cried. And then my brother, my, my other brother, that was his best friend, and he would have to sneak over to his house, which was sad and visit him because his wife didn't want them to be together. But I cried over that. I was just crying over the pain I was in. My brother was gone, 
and then he, the one that was living was gone crazy. He come over to the house talking crazy, and I went to the doctor and, and ended up having to have an operation. But before then, they had to give me nerve pills. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And, and my brother come over to the house talking to my mother, and my mother was in the next room beside me. And I, whenever I hear him come, I just take a pill. So I, I would just zone out. And I got to the place where, Lord, <laughs> I've got to trust you. I have got to get off these pills. This is not me. This is not me. I'm going to depend on you. So eventually, um, I think I took him for like a month. And I got off the pills. My brother still was acting crazy. And I said, Mother, we just have to pray for him because he's not himself. That was his best friend and his brother. And and I, I eventually, you know, every now and then I would think about my brother. My sister would call Tassie. She would call and says. I said, Lily, how's your day? I said, it's not a good day. I said, but I'm going to be all right. The Lord is going to take care of us. I'm going to make it through this day. And I had the operation on my back um, around Christmas time because it was like in Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving, whenever it happened. And I was out of work for a whole month because I had to have an operation. Come to find out, I had a, a, a cysk in my first and second lumbar and a ruptured in my third and fourth lumbar. And so it got that taken care of. And I got off the pills. I trusted God, got into my word the more. And I just thank God that, you know, like you said, you have to get in the word of God. You have to depend on the Lord and his word because it's true. And he will keep you. He will take care of you. And my brother, he he got right. <laughs> thank God. And um, he's still funny, though. And, and, I, and I thank God for that. But, yeah, it will, it will do your body and all sorts of things. But I thank God for the victory. Amen. Okay. Okay. Can you um, hear me? Yes. Okay. So what I want to share is this kind of, it made me go back to when I first moved to North Carolina. I was, um, as you all know, I shared this before, I had had a stroke in my eyes. My eyes was crossed. I had double vision and I was wearing a patch on one eye, but the Lord told me it's time to go. And I initially, I was like, okay, okay, I'm fine. I'll go. While I was packing my stuff to move to North Carolina from Michigan, the enemy tried to grip me with fear. Well, what if you get down there and you still have double vision or you can't, you know, see, or what if it gets worse and you're way in North Carolina? And so I had to literally um, say to the enemy, devil, you are a liar. This is what God told me to do. And I'm going where he told me to go. And when I moved on the way here, I was still being like bombarded with the thoughts of fear of what may happen if, you know, if it doesn't get any better. And I had to really combat that with the word because God told me, you know, where to go. And so long story short, 
when I left Michigan and it was like a, I want to say it was like a 15 hour drive or something like that, but whatever it was, I had a patch on my eye when I was, when I left Michigan. By the time I got to North Carolina, and I still had no double vision, but by the time I got down here and got my stuff unloaded in my apartment, um, the double vision had started clearing up. And then when I came to church that Sunday, that was the first time in, I want to say about a month, that I could not have that patch over my eye. And it was really, it was like, trust me, trust me. And I had to really trust God because I didn't know, you know, what the future held, but I know he's, you know, he's got me. And so when I came to church, the first time you guys saw me, I didn't have that patch on my eye. And I was so grateful that I didn't have double vision. I could see. And I knew at that point, God, you answered my prayer and you delivered me from what the enemy was trying to uh, instill in me, which was fear. Mm-hmm. And I had to say, God, you thought you have not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. And so I'm going to need you to help me with this. So when I walked through the door without that patch on my eye, it was it was like a, a glorious time for me. So. I just want to share this to help somebody to know that no matter what your body's doing, no matter what you feel like, God has got you no matter what. And so that's what I wanted to share. Amen. Amen. Fear is a monster, isn't it? But we have dominion over it. So we have to start using what God has given us. The enemy does not want us to stay in communion with God because he knows the more we stay in communion with God, the more we're going to be able to do what God has called us to do. Amen. Is anyone else before we do our offering? Okay. Sisney, you have an announcement about the. We need to have. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.